You know, it's so prevalent, especially in the cancer community where people tell us like, oh, you must like cherish every day now. Like you must live life to the fullest now, knowing that time isn't promised. You know, some days. When asked, you know, when when given time, what do you do with it? That's worth pondering this week. What I love about this conversation, too, is it's sort of, well, it does lift up why people are have a hard time diving into these deep conversations is they're afraid what if I don't have the answer hey this is grand exit conversations starting conversations about living dying and living on we're sharing real talk on the life death legacy continuum now so we don't wait to the end to talk about what matters most enter here you intend to be remembered. Hey, you're listening to Tamitha Thomas Hasse and Chelsea Leader Gold. And in this episode of Grand Exit, we're sharing our personal vignettes about the myth of time. Honestly, this one hits for us because this week we're both feeling stretched pretty thin. We're <laughs> listening back to this episode and our own beliefs while we're experiencing how life tests our relationship with time. There's a lot in here with a nod, of course, to the fact that we know, you know, that time is not guaranteed. And as a reminder to all of you that we have to decide what we're going to do with that wisdom. Let's dive in. Before I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, the first time, which was in November of 2018, everyone in my community would have said she is the best volunteer in the whole world. If you need something done, ask Tamitha to do it. I was chair of the select board of my town. I volunteered every Friday at the food shelf. I was the vice president of the PTA. I was on a committee at church that organized the strawberry supper. And let you it know, be known. let it be this known. This is her, you guys. <laughs> if you've ever wondered <laughs> who organized the strawberry supper, official me. So proud to do all of those things. Um, so proud. And yet, as soon as I was diagnosed, I let all of those things go. And some of that was for health reasons. I just couldn't do it all anymore. Part of it was that. I was just giving my time, giving, giving, giving. And you ha it takes both sides. You have to give time and you have to take time, right? And so I had spent so many years just giving of my time that wasn't necessarily connected to my values, to the larger purpose I saw in my life. I did it out of duty, out of obligation. It's, uh, much of what it is to be raised by, I think, a soldier and a teacher. And I make very different choices now about where I volunteer my time and want to make sure that people understand that my time is certainly valuable, but so is yours. When Pete and I were engaged the first time. We had two bouts. Um, we worked with a my grandie's rabbi, my family's rabbi, and we are not religious. I did not go through a Jewish education. 
So this was really the first time that I was learning about tradition. And my grandee's rabbi said something related question to us that really stood out to me. And I remember it. It was an exercise that at the time I, we thought was a little bit silly. But in our second go around and building a stronger foundation, we looked back and we were like, maybe we shouldn't have laughed at that exercise. That was really defining. He asked, um, he said, take out a piece of paper and fill in the blank. What I do with time is blank. And we sat there. And I think, you know, knowing in part that it was an existential question, but it came on the tail end of like, you know, a chart of like who takes the trash out more. And we were like, this is not, (laughs) this does not matter. But he was kind of working us into the harder questions. And I I can't remember who said what, but someone was like, fill it. And um, another was spend it. Um, And it's interesting because both of those are like out of presence sort of, right? Like, okay, uh, is time a vessel? Is time a currency? Is time, like, what is time? Like, what are we, where do we hold time? Whether you see it as currency, but let's just say you see it as currency. It's the most valuable currency. It's like the only currency that really exists. I do think in the consciousness of more and more people these days is relationship to time. And I guess we've kind of pondered, like, could that be a wellness indicator, right? Like, could we use our relationship to time to help us assess how well we're doing, how we're feeling right now, like how we're being right now? Because, you know, how healthy um, are our living? is right like because urgency ain't no way to live and it does not feel good to feel like everything's on fire and who decides you know deadlines are man-made they're sometimes are very important and I certainly don't think we should live without a shared concept of time it's important but where does it sit in our value set and does it get a spot in our value set right because like age we may not may not reach that age, but the time you have is the time you have, however long that is. And how well can you, you know, live within that time you have? Going back to a global pandemic, going back to, you know, the total time warp that was 2020 to I don't know, I guess early 2022, depends who you're talking to. But when, what, how we intended to spend our time no longer could match the reality, the gap between the two where we were left uh, was with ourselves alone together. And, and the, you know, when that seemed like, oh, this isn't going to be too long it seemed like what a gift of consciousness we've received. Again, speaking above a privilege threshold, you know, and, you know, we can get through this, we can do it together. And then it seemed like things weren't going in the same way with time that we expected them to. And so what happened, right? Like, did you, and this is a question for the listeners too, like, did you use that time to like carpe diem, right? Like, did you, how did you spend your time? And the pressure 
of spending time well was yet another layer that kind of like chipped away at happiness where it could also be additive. And it's not like decide to spend your time well and you will be well. Like, and so it will be. It's not that. But did you write that will? In seeing that your neighbor died earlier than they should have, right? Like gone too soon. Did that inspire you to take an action, prepare a thing, you know, write write words, share words, share compliments, tell someone that you had always admired, that you admired them. What did you do with that time? What did you do with it? And if your answer isn't something that you want to be remembered by, can you do something today? How can you use your agency to spend one moment doing something that honors who you are, what's important to you, how you want to be remembered? You know, it's so prevalent, especially in the cancer community where people tell us like, oh, you must like cherish every day now. Like you must like live life to the fullest now, knowing that time isn't promised. You know, some days, some days I I grab life by the, I don't know. I think I was about to say something bad. (laughs) (laughs) You can grab grab the bull by the horns. But I grab the bull by the horns. (laughs) of life. Um, and then other days, honestly, I lay in bed and I don't, I still needed that 24 hours that day to just rest or to cry or to not do anything particularly meaningful. And I think that's okay too. And meaningful towards what? Uh, toward my legacy. You know, it's funny. I, I often will be in conversation with Harper and we'll say, oh, remember when you were little and I threw that party for you when you were five years old and I called it a little party and everything we had was little, like you had little hats and little flatware and like I made tiny That's little cupcakes. So oh, I threw her a little party. It, it was the best party. I am constantly doing things like that now with her where she will turn to me and say, mom, I remember that you were a good mom. Like you don't have to keep reminding me. And I think because there were so many great parts when she was younger. And then now, you know, I remember when I was little, but it's really very vivid to me, like middle school and high school. Well, her middle school and high school now has been me being sick. So I'm not throwing little parties. I'm not throwing any size parties lately. And I want her to remember that. Any size parties. Um, There's no use in throwing a different size party. If you, if you pulled off a little party, right. like what other little hat? kind of party do you need? I did throw a very good graduate eighth grade graduation party. But uh, all of that to say that, uh, you know, uh, that it doesn't have to be meaningful toward what you want others to remember about you. Right. Like, I don't need to go out every day trying to figure out how I'm going to make sure my legacy of service lives on. That's too much. That's too much. But I can be present in the day, in the time. I can thank my body for being here again, another day, waking up, seeing the sun, getting to hug my husband and my daughter. Sometimes that's all. 
Sometimes that's it. Other times, yes, I'm going to like write to my congressperson and let them know how I feel about something. I'm going to make a donation somewhere, do the bigger things. But I guess I just want listeners to understand that sometimes what it means to like not take advantage of the time we have left has nothing to do with you doing big or small things. It just has to do with you being present and making the choices about it, uh, conscious choices about it. I am such a calendarer <laughs> and I calendar my free time because mm -hmm. if I don't, I will bulldoze right through it. Right. Which says to those who rely on quality time with me that my work or the things that I'm doing with that time is more important than spending that time with them. Mm -hmm. And so I do what I need to do. I block it off like it's a meeting mm -hmm. to, if nothing else, to condition me to a better habit of prioritizing along with my values, mm -hmm. getting the things I need to get done. My list is not more important than my relationship. So right. if my calendar tells me it is, that's not, that that's, is not going to work for me. Right. And some, it means some weeks I have to do so much more to accomplish what I need to accomplish or pay my bills or whatever my adult responsibilities. And then the what do I get to do with the time I find? Because I could easily fill it with more tasks, mm -hmm. easily. Mm -hmm. But what, what does that leave me with? Right. I'm depleted. Like, how do I, if the whole goal of living is to bring your whole self to life and to the relationships you have, then like time is something that you are going to have to, we're all going to have to consider as part of it. That's right. So it is like when you really come to know that, that time is not promised, that we don't, it's a myth. There is a, a loss. There is a mourning right? A grieving piece of that. Like you have to be able to sort of come to terms with that. So I want to ask you, Chelsea, like, as you think about that, are there things like what is not having that promised time feel like to you? What are the things that you thought you might be promised, but you're not sure? I'm 33, recently married, um, in a relationship that took way more time and way more work than I thought it would ever need to. And in this case, I'm talking about me and Peter, my husband specifically, but within the confines of our home, knowing that every day is a new chance to create something with our time, whatever that looks like in that day. And some days suck and some days are beautiful. I think we just constantly are generating new opportunities. So I guess my, if I if he were to die tomorrow or I were to die tomorrow, I, it would be tragic, I think, mm -hmm. in some ways. But I do think we would look back and be really proud of how we used our time together, like what we supported each other in creating. But I'm getting emotional thinking about it because I don't feel ready mm -hmm. and I would feel very robbed. But I would also feel very blessed mm -hmm. to have gotten the time, I think, mm -hmm. to have gotten the time that I had. And then mm -hmm. when I think about that for all my loved ones, it weighs so heavy, mm -hmm. but it, it also just feels so lucky because there's so many people on this earth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if earth is where it's at, I don't know, maybe there are way more. I, well, you know how but, I feel about earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it takes so much to have your paths cross right. and to like be aligned. Mm -hmm. So if like all the energy and all the matter aligned, 
in this period of time for us to all have met each other, been in the same room or been in the background of one another's photos and passed by each other, whatever it is, like that just feels more magical than not, more worth it than not. Yeah. And I think if life feels more heavy and not magical, one, is there anything you can do about that, about how you spend your time? Or two, like, can you carve out for yourself a belief system that allows for you to imagine more? Yeah, that was emotional and yet like important to sit with um, because it is in the imagining of it that then leads you to new choices. If you don't, you're not courageous and brave enough to really sit in the space of, yeah, you're going to lose him or he's going to lose you. It doesn't sort of move you to action, to, di- to, to making different choices, doing differently, and doing better with your time. have to do the things that you have to do but when you get really honest with yourself what are the things you're doing that you maybe don't have to do right now and can you place that importance on the conversations you need to be having on the bucket list items that you're saving for later if you really if you dream of learning piano Mm. once you retire Mm. if you were then and you don't have time to do it now but if you were told you were not going to live to retirement, would learning piano feel extra? Maybe. Or will it, would it feel like a dream fulfilled? If the latter, find a piano. Mm-hmm. Start mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. And it isn't as simple as that, but it's not that much more complex either. Right. So all responsibilities aside, mm-hmm. right? What would you tell Tam- the young girl of mm-hmm. Tamitha? Um, what would you tell her about time what's good news what's a motivating reality that can be a blessing Mm. if we only have now I think the good news is especially knowing that I don't have as much time as young Tamitha thought she did the good news is that one for the most part you did awesome (laughs) you know that that you're going to make decisions about your time based on things that that you think are important to you as best as you could. But I would tell young Tamitha about time. I, I want to say don't waste it, but that sounds so cliche. I think that it's similar to the question that Pete and I had to answer. Like, if given time, what do you do with it, right? And I would tell the child my inner child or the child you know Chelsea at 12 the same thing that I need to be told now by future me or present me like enjoy it and you don't have to do so much with it just be in it like yeah just enjoy it I need that reminder every day what I love about this conversation too is it's sort of well it does lift up sort of I think why people are have a hard time diving into these deep conversations is they're afraid what if I don't have the answer and that this is sort of, I think, lifting up for our audience and for me in the present moment that we start these conversations and we don't know where they're going to end and we don't know that we're going to have all the answers. But just <laughs> probably won't. Probably won't. You have to like be present and decide to dedicate a moment of energy 
to going deeper. So we've been talking about the importance of um, recognizing this myth of time and that in doing that, hopefully it leads to conversations with, you know, the people here who matter most to you. But I know for you, Chelsea, part of the conversations you have often and part of the connecting you do often is with Grandy. So talk a little bit about how you, what allows you to connect with her constantly, continually even after she passed. Yeah, I guess part of me feels like, again, the the idea of readiness comes really partnered with the idea of time um, Mm -hmm. for me. And I think that every, easier to say every year, every year I had with Grandy in my life made me more me. Mm -hmm. And so there's no, I can't, couldn't find evidence, you know, counter even if I tried. I don't think of like, and so, it would not continue to be so. Like, no, I think it would probably continue to be so. So I found an appreciation for the arts, for philanthropy, for theater, for books, although probably I could read more. (laughs) She'd probably like if I was reading a little more. Um, Yeah, for stories. And every year I had more of that because I had her to share it with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I am able to access that, not through time or space anymore, though, but I don't, we ran out of time. Our time was done together here and we're no longer sharing the same physical space. But every time I see a show, I saw a show for the first time after the pandemic recently and like just like the smell of theater through my mask, like gave me a moment, like a whiff of the memory of what we shared in the time we had. And so it's almost like it all collapsed for Mm me where like, Time didn't, doesn't matter anymore. Space doesn't matter. So what are we left with? And it's just, it's memory. And like in every sentient way and, um, and all the time, like it's, it's, I don't feel Grandy in every moment or see Grandy in every moment. Although there are many more moments than I would have ever imagined mm-hmm. that I felt her. But I used to say when Grandy died in 2013, I remember at one of the first Camp Powerment weekends, the wind was blowing a lot. And Grandy was telling me when she died, maybe she should be the wind. And because then I don't have to worry. I'll know where to find her. And it had nothing to do with time, right? Mm. And it's everywhere. And when she died, I really thought that had to be true. Like she had to be the wind to me. And then it just became less necessary. Like Mm. in order to be all the time, I would just need to turn it on to Mm. notice. Like when I felt her, where I saw her, where she was within me, where she was within my relationships. And so it was a very long-winded answer, but I don't know. I don't think relationships are a matter of time or space at all. Mm-hmm. I think it's like what we leave each other with. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Grand Exit. If you're enjoying exploring the life-death-legacy continuum, come back to keep diving in with us here. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Connect with us on Instagram. We're grand.exit. And sign up for our newsletter at grandexit.com slash newsletter. And most importantly, share. Please do share this by starting a conversation about life, death, and legacy with someone who matters to you. There's so much waiting for you there. Join us every other Thursday as we bring death to life for those who intend to be remembered. Catch you next time. Thank you.